How many have been busy the last couple weeks uh, with all kinds of events and uh, different things going on? Um, yesterday was kind of a break for my family and for me. We had the opportunity to, uh, we didn't have anything planned for the entire day. I mean, how often does that happen? Like, like once or twice a year, it seems like. And so yesterday we did some cookie baking together, and then we went around to different neighborhoods, and we were, we were you know, we felt like we were the judge. We, were, we kept on, like, we were looking at all the lights, and we were judging. We were saying, okay, let's, is it a one all the way to a ten? And we only found, like, two tens, a lot of ones and twos, and, uh, and a lot of in between. And, we were, and, and so it's so funny. Then we pulled up to our house at the end, and we were like, well, what do we rate our own? And we're I'm not going to tell you what we rated it on. It was a perfect 10, <laughs> although there's nothing there. So, so we can't really talk too much. But uh, anyway, we want to thank you for making Christmas a priority, for making church a priority on Christmas Sunday. And again, I just can't emphasize enough um, next week, how important next week is. And I want to thank you in advance for all that you're going to do next week to just bless a lot of families. And uh, that's going to be really exciting. Well, we've been in a message series called Choosing Christmas, and that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at the birth of Christ, which is really a familiar story to probably every single one of us here, but we wanted to take it and say, you know what, more than just knowing the story, this once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, God showed up and offered this gift of forgiveness. No, it's more than that. But we wanted to believe it and to internalize it. We've said it's more than a story. The goal is that we embrace the message of Christmas. And so I want to recap. I know we've got some people that are from out of town and some others that are here for the first time. And so let me just recap real quickly. The first week we talked about the big fear. And we said going one-on-one, oftentimes if we said, if we had a meeting with God one-on-one, it would cause some fear, some anxiety, uh, maybe a little scary for us. What would that look like? And we kind of discussed that. And we said that some of us, we would say, you know what, I'm not even in interested in going one-on-one with God, I would rather take a pass and not do it at all. And then we have this Christmas, this whole idea where we're expected to think more about God and to think more about the Bible and the Christmas story, and there's anxiety around that. But what we landed on that week is that the Christmas message should erase all fear. Let that sink in for a second. The Christmas message should erase all fear, all shame, all guilt if we embrace the message. And then we said, boy, the opposite of fear was peace, remember? And if we have peace, that leads to intimacy with Jesus. And that's ultimately the goal. We want to have an intimate, powerful relationship with Jesus. Last week, we talked about uh, to the rescue. And we talked about this story of the good news from Luke 2. And, and uh, we're going to be in Luke 2 again here in a minute. But, uh, but someone would say, oh, well, it's too good to be true. It's kind of like, you know, those, those timeshare deals. Have you ever been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee or Orlando, Florida? And you're walking down and they're saying, hey, we've got these shows for you that we'll send you to for free, your whole family, if you come and spend an hour. And then it ends up being like 10 hours uh, to look at their timeshare uh, condos. And it's like, you know what? Now, this story, this good news, it could be too good to be true. And what we realize is that we like to come to our own rescue, don't we? 
We don't want to be owned by anyone. We, we want to pay our own way as a rule. We want to stand on our own two feet. And um, there's even a song, and I was thinking about this. Um, on, a, on our cruise, on our 10-year anniversary, I can't, I'll never forget this. We went to a karaoke night, and there was this guy that got up, had the worst voice in history, and he sang this song, and there's a part of it that goes, and I did it my way. You know the song? And we were like crying because it was so horrible. I wanted to gouge our ears out and be like, no, stop. But there's songs about it. And, but what happens is with God, we want to bring our own part, our works to the table when we meet Jesus. And how many know that's really not the Christmas message? That's not what God wants. So last week we focused on one word, this word Savior, soter in the Greek, the who a Savior, a Redeemer, has been born. And it's not Rome that was going to save the people. It wasn't Caesar Augustus, and it wasn't them individually that was going to save them. It was Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But man, we live in a world, don't we, that will blind us to our need And we can go through life and we can think that we're okay. And the world would love to minimize our condition. But the reality is that we are dead. We are lost without a Savior. And Jesus is the only one that can do that. And I was thinking again this week, how thankful I am for Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that says God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that woos us in and says, you know what? Come to me and I will take care. I will save you. And we said at the end of last week that anything we lay at the feet of Jesus, God will save. Jesus will save. And so we want to bring our needs to the Lord. And that's for sure. Well, today we're going to continue and we're going to wrap the series up of uh, choosing Christmas with the choice is yours. And I've been praying that once and for all, we would all receive the Christmas message, whether you're, this is unfamiliar to you or you've heard it a hundred times. And I want to give you a heads up. We're not going to go there quite yet, but we're going to be in Luke chapter two again. You're saying three sermons out of the same passage. Come on. Well, I'll give you a head start. If you bookmarked it the last two times, you'll be the first one there in a few minutes. But, uh, but and I, and I was thinking about it too. And you're like, man, we've heard it so many times and we're going to read it again. Really? Well, you on Christmas morning can read Matthew, the Matthew 1 account, and uh, it'll be a little bit different view there. But, um, but we want to look at this Luke chapter 2 because it's a good news message. But what happens is the Christmas message, even though it boasts of there's no fear that a Savior has been born, and it's a pretty amazing message, for some people, they still believe that it's too good to be true. And maybe you know someone that's like that. Or maybe you, uh, maybe you are even curious yourself saying, you know, this message, it's too good to be true. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, otherwise we would all be Christians. And every one of your relatives would be believers. And every one of your coworkers and everyone in your neighborhoods would be a believer. And I was asking the question, why won't everyone or why doesn't everyone want to be a Christian? And I might be naive, and I know what some of you are thinking. Yep, that's exactly right. But, you know, I'm thinking, why would you want, what are you waiting for? A better offer? 
what are you holding out for? You, okay, you're saved, all your sins forgiven, eternity in heaven. And then I'm thinking, okay, have you looked at other religions lately? The best that they offer is a, I hope so, I hope, I hope when you come to the end of your life. Or during your life, it's all about I'll do my best, I'll give, I'll do this, and hoping to earn something. But the message of Christmas, the message that the Bible teaches us is totally different. And I might be naive in the sense that, you know what, for me, I have seen God move in so many different ways. I've seen marriages saved. I've seen financial miracles. I've seen relationships and addictions broken and uh, all kinds of things. And I'm saying to myself, why wouldn't you want to try it? But for some, choosing Jesus is like trying something new. And I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking, you know, when cell phones first came out, you know, back in the 1980s, we found out on uh, Friday night, our board was together for a little Christmas party. 1983, was it? I think, Where's, was it 1983? First cell phone cost 3,800 American dollars in 1983. And I can just imagine how many back then were saying, ah, I'm good with my phone, with my landline, right? But how many here, just quick show of hands, have a cell phone? Just, you know, raise your hand, nice. All right, put your hands down. Is there anyone here that does not have a cell phone that's not like, you know, 12 and under? All right, okay. (laughs) Is there anybody? There is no one here that doesn't have one. But, you know, trying Jesus is kind of like this. You're saying, okay, um, you know, cell phones are coming along. I remember several years back in the late 90s when we got our first. I remember a friend of mine saying, you are going to like this. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And I, my, I, we got our first cell phone. Well, the same thing is true. It came along and text messaging, be- text messaging became more popular. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, someone said to me, you're going to like this. And I've told some people even recently, like, You'd really like this if you get texting on your phone. And then some of you are like, forget texting, get the data package, right? How many have the data package? Just to be honest, about half a year, maybe a third. And I'm saying, I know I would like that, but I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to pay for that, right? But it's interesting when it comes to God and on the cross and you say, okay, there's all this assurance that's offered. Why wouldn't you try it? And people have excuses. They're saying, okay, it's good for you, but not for me. It'd be like saying, okay, you know, you take your cell phones. I'm going to go back to the landline or even worse, go back to the Morris Code. I'm, I'm comfortable with that, right? I, I'm good with that. But people every day still reject the message of Christmas. Isn't that the truth? How many can think of someone in your life that, that does not embrace the message, the story of Christmas? We can, we can all. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a co-worker, someone at school, whatever the case might be. And what I want you to know is that when you reject the Christmas message, you are turning your back on a Savior that loves you so much. And I was thinking, you know, there's got to be reasons for this. And really, there's two reasons kind of emerge. We're going to get to Luke chapter 2, by the way. Um, but there's two reasons that kind of emerge and that are just painful even to acknowledge as Christians. But I want us, I want us to take a good look at these just for a moment. The first, I think, is that people don't embrace the message of Christ because of poor explanation. 
I can be guilty of this. Maybe you've been guilty of this. Maybe your explanation to others has been curious, but, or maybe you've just been quiet. But we confuse the story of Jesus. We start talking about baby Jesus, and then there were warrior angels, and it was a fulfillment of all this prophecy. And remember Adam at the beginning of time? Jesus is the second Adam, and he died, on the, and then he rose from the grave. He's going to return again. He's coming back for us, but don't take the mark of the beast, remember? you know, It's like all these things we throw at people, and it's like, What? And I believe sometimes we confuse the message that if you just accept Jesus, you're going to be saved. And that God so loved you so much that he, that he cares for you. And it's as simple as that. And we throw all these other things. Or we say, oh, if you accept Christ, then you're going to have to tell others about Jesus. And you're saying, no, uh, no thanks. And there's people that I know that would be totally disinterested because they don't understand the message of Jesus. The other thing I was thinking is improper application. Maybe you've known a Christian who is inconsistent at best. Or maybe you're saying, you know, you know some believers or, or maybe you know someone that's not a believer that's looking at other believers and saying, you know what, I'm ahead of all these other people. Or you're really not that good, they're saying. And maybe it's an employer or a teacher or a mom or dad in your life. Or maybe you did um, business with a Christian once and then you never got paid. And you're saying, you know, um, I, I don't even want to mess with it. Or maybe you know a Christian that is so legalistic, so rigid, and you're saying, why would I want to be that? Or, you know, or you've had a bad experience with a Christian church leader or with a pastor, and at some level, you're saying, man, I've got screwed by a Christian. I don't want anything to do with a Christian. And you're thinking, okay. You start to think about some of these things. You're saying, okay, I get it. But can we just acknowledge that the problem is not the message? It may be how it's explained or maybe how it's applied. And can I just say, I'm sorry if that's you today and you're saying, boy, I'm here and the message of Christ has been confused or I've seen it applied in so many different ways um, that, that I'm not interested. And I want to look at the story one more time in Luke chapter 2. Because there's a story, there's a message that is so amazing that we cannot afford to miss it. And so turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Who's there first? Luke chapter 2, and I want to go through this story one more time. All right? Tracking with me so far? All right. This is what it says. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Remember, we talked about this, that that was more of a power uh, control. It was all about money, why they would do this. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And there's a lot of truth there um, that is uh, pretty deep, but uh, we won't take the time to get back into that. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's just pause there and just go, ah. 
Because that's kind of the natural response, right? You see it pretty, you know, the manger scene. This was not an awe moment, let me just say. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I mean, this was nasty. This was like the worst place you'd want to have a kid. And wrapped, put him in a manger, what? It's crazy. But verse 8 continues. And there were shepherds living in the field nearby, right? Keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were scared. They were terrified. And again, we talked about that the first week, this great big fear. They were, they were, it was, a, it was crazy. And, but then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, the gospel of great joy that will be for all the Christian people or all those that come out for Christmas Sunday morning or all those who do good. No, for all people, the good and the bad, the worst person that you can think of in your life, God died, Jesus died for them for all people. And then it says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great uh, company of a heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the news. They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Now, I want to pause there. We read that, and we've read it now three times as a church. And you might read it on uh, Wednesday morning with your family or on Tuesday night if you get together. And, uh, and we read this, and we say, it's such a nice story. But it's not just a nice story. The story and the truth found here is absolutely amazing. It is life changing. It changes everything to the point that the apostle John, who was an eyewitness to Jesus' life, at the end of his life, he's on the island of Patmos and he's saying, you know what? He's reminiscing. He's talking about Jesus. He said, we saw it. And John, the apostle John, in John chapter three, he summarizes the Christmas message. John 3.16, he says, at the end of his life, he's saying, you know what? The story is true. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave a baby in Bethlehem. Giving is what you do when you love. And he's saying the story is true that whoever would believe in him, whoever would choose him, Not trade for it or purchase or try to earn, but if you believe, if you choose to believe, if you believe, you will have eternal life. What's eternal life? It's the life that you lost when you sinned. It's an amazing story in Luke chapter 2. It's an incredible, 
awesome story. And so often we stop right there or we read the other portions in Matthew and we don't continue. And I want us to continue here for the next few moments. And uh, because what we're talking about is choosing Christmas and our response to the message is critical. And so let's continue. Um, On the eighth day, when the time came to be circumcised, um, they named him Jesus and the the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. Verse 22, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So Jesus little baby is being brought to the church to be presented um, and to be blessed. And it was accustomed to do that in that culture. And it says here, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons had to give their life as an offering as they bring this baby. But what's interesting is now we pick up in verse 25, it says this, now there was a in a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout man. He was awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now listen to this. This is pretty amazing. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. So this was most likely, we don't know how old he is. I like to call him Old Man Simeon. He's around the temple. He's, a, he's, he's been there for years and years. He's awaiting this news that the Christ child was going to come. And then all of a sudden, look what it says. It says um, it had been revealed to him. And then verse 27, moved by the Spirit when he went into the temple courts, when the parents brought the child Jesus to, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms praising God, this is huge, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now dismissed your servant in peace. He's saying, look, now I can die. (laughs) He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Huge, huge. Which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And the child father and the mother, they marveled at what had just been said about their son. Now, what Simeon just recognized, and Mary and Joseph had been prophesied, and they were not expecting this. They were marveling at what was being said about their little baby boy. But then, it's interesting, Simeon wasn't done. Simeon continues, and he actually talks, and he says, And Simeon blessed them, and then said to Mary, the mother of Jesus, listen to what he says. And this really has confused me so much, but I've I've got some revelation here. It says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is Simeon, old man Simeon, talking to Mary. And he's saying, look, your child is destined to cause this falling and rising and the hearts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce even your own soul too. And it just seems like it's out of place, doesn't it? It's like, what is that about? 
Well, the imagery here comes from Isaiah chapter 8 and Isaiah chapter 28. The cause of the falling and the rising of many in Israel. What it's saying here, as I understand, is that Jesus is being foretold here. Simeon is saying, look, he's acknowledging. Jesus will divide the nation in two. Some will respond and others will oppose him. And I was looking at a commentary by Daryl Bach this week on Luke 2. And he says this, and I want to read it. It says, people will contend against and about Jesus. The road to promised fulfillment is not smooth. To identify with Jesus will bring pain because many will reject him. This rejection explains Simeon's reference to a sword piercing through Mary's soul. She will feel a mother's pain as she watches her son go on his own way and suffer rejection. But the sword also reflects the pain anyone who identifies with Jesus feels as the world rejects that, what Jesus has to offer. Simeon's remarks to Mary is an aside, but an important one since it shows that identifying with Jesus has painful personal consequences. And you know what? We would be kidding if we said that that wasn't true. And it says, he goes on to say, the division of Jesus brings, that Jesus brings reveals the thoughts of many hearts. Jesus is God's litmus test for where a person stands. Do I sense the need to depend on God and to come to Him and to walk in light, or do I not? And he goes on to talk about our response. And that's what I want to talk about. Do I sense the need to respond? Do I sense the need that my life depends on Jesus? And what we're talking about here, the Christmas story and all that's wrapped up in the the gravity of the decision that faces each and every one of us cannot be underestimated. Life and death would not be too dramatic. Jesus came to divide all humanity. There was a sifting that was going to happen Not the Santa Claus fairy tale type of thing. But if you choose Jesus or if your loved ones were to choose Jesus, the result is that he would save them. Salvation would come. Assurance, a certainty. Everything changes when you accept Christ and accept the story and personalize it, embrace it. And once we receive Christ, what would our response even look like? I don't even know. Other than gratitude and a thank you. And I know that this morning that it's possible that that you may be here and you've never given your heart to the Lord. Or maybe you're away from God and today is a day on Christmas Sunday that you're going to come back to Jesus and to begin to serve him again. And I love that. We're going to give you opportunity for that. But there are many believers here that have been believers for many years, and I realize that as well. And what is your response going to be this Christmas as well? And I think it's got to be a a response of gratitude saying, thank you, Jesus. I was thinking about a gift that I gave 
um, to a, my pastor with our staff um, back in Dayton, Ohio. We had, um, uh, we had given him a gift that was uh, really unique. We had visited uh, in Florida. We were at a conference in Florida, and uh, we visited the uh, Bible Project or something like that. Uh, what am I thinking of? The Holy Land experience, yes. And we went there, and, uh, and one of the things, you know, they've got the, the, uh, all the shows and different things, and we had a great time. Uh, we took a day off. It was kind of on our relaxing day and, and did this. But in the gift shop, they had pieces, uh, replicas of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, our pastor, we couldn't pull him away from that stuff. He was like, he was all into it. He was looking at it. He was, he was asking about how they did it and what, all these things. And so we thought as a staff, we're like, hey, for Christmas, let's get our pastor a piece of this Dead Sea Scroll. We'll mount it. And so we ordered one. It came in and uh, it, we were at staff meeting and we, we said, hey, it was at the end of staff meeting. It was, it was Christmas, right before Christmas. And we said, hey, we've got something special for you, Pastor Brown. And, uh, and then we brought it out and he opened it and he sat in his chair. And this is not an exaggeration. And he began to shake and he wept for probably 10 minutes straight. He, he couldn't believe that we had done something so nice. And we're like looking at each other like, what's going on? You know, like, but it moved him to such a deep level. And I'd never seen him respond that way to anything. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we just hit it out of the park. We'll never give him a gift. That will, we, how do you top that, right? But his response was one of gratitude. He was overwhelmed that we would be so thoughtful. <laughs> it wasn't my idea, by the way. I wish it was. But that gift reminded me that before us, we have a gift so amazing, so incredible. And oftentimes we just dismiss it or it's just an afterthought when we read or we hear the Christmas story. You tracking with me? But I want to challenge us this morning that we would get our minds around this idea of what Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, that Emmanuel is sent. That there is this God with us, Emmanuel, and he's there for us, and he's ready to receive us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, there is an offer of a Savior that is so real that if you believe, if you trust it, that you will be saved for an eternity. And for those of us that are believers, that we, that we already have embraced that gift and we understand that, could we try to get our minds around and say, you know what, what will my response be this season? We want to search our hearts this morning. My challenge to each and every one of us is how can we respond to this message? Will we hear it and know it? and dismiss it or will we hear it and internalize it and embrace it and let it change our lives to the point where we are so grateful that we become overwhelmed with what God 
has done for us. It's so simple, John 3.16. But you look at John's life as he lived and as he lived with Jesus and saw Jesus live his life and all the miracles and then he was beaten and bruised and put in a on a cross and into a grave and then John saw Jesus come back to life and John at the end of his life like I was saying earlier he's writing this and he's saying God so loved the world that he gave that's the message that's simplified that's the crux of what we believe in that whoever would believe would not perish but would have everlasting life and this morning I want to present that message that truth to each and every one of you today and if you could bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment I want to just encourage you to to search your own soul search your own heart saying where am I today where, if I were to die today, if I didn't make it till 2014, would I spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus? Because your response is a matter of life and death. And you have to understand that. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, please don't leave here without responding. And I'm going to ask, just by a show of hands here this morning, is there anyone here that needs to get their life right with Jesus? Just slip up your hand right where you are. You're saying, man, I'm just not there. I'm not right with the Lord today. Who here this morning would respond? Yeah. Anyone else? Thanks. Just put your hand up so I can see it or maybe so I can catch your eye. Anybody else? Yeah. Who else this morning? Say, that's where I am today. Believers be praying just to ask the Lord just to work. Who here this morning is ready to surrender to give their heart to Jesus with these other couple of individuals? We're going to pray a prayer miracle prayer it's a Christmas prayer you could say and I'm going to invite everyone here to pray it with me and it's not the words of this prayer that will save you but it's believing just like John says it's believing in our heart and for the sake of these couple gentlemen that raise their hands could we say this together say dear heavenly father Forgive me for all my sins. I believe in you, that you are the Savior, my Redeemer. I believe that you lived a sinless life, that you died for me, but you didn't stay in the grave, and that you live now in heaven. I put my trust in you. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.
Now for the, those of us that have made that decision this morning, for those that have made that decision maybe years ago or maybe even just recently, could I encourage us, and I'm encouraging myself, to embrace the message of Christmas. I was talking with a friend of mine this week that I talk to a lot. Uh, some of you know him, uh, Dwayne Adams. And I was just saying, I don't think that we get the message of Christmas. <laughs> and I was just like kind of frustrated. And he's like, you're right. I don't think most believers embrace it fully. And that's what prompted me. Because he, he was saying, boy, think about the biggest gift or the best gift you've ever received. And, and I, I couldn't even think of a gift that's moved me like it did for Pastor Brown. But that type of gratitude, that kind of overwhelmed, wow, is what is appropriate in regards to what Jesus has done for us. Does that make sense? And so as we leave here today, in the next few moments, could we remain mindful of what Christ has done in its entirety? And as we meet together as family and we get out the the Christmas story, could we read it with that kind of intensity? Even personally, if your family doesn't do that, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to spend some time in God's Word. And I encourage you to go back to Luke 2 and to read it and let it sink in this season. Because it, the message here, changes everything. I'm going to ask that you stand and I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And then we're just going to go and uh, the grace of God, if you want to be, uh, the altars are open for prayer like they always are. And, uh, and if you need to respond in that way, please, please do. But let me pray a prayer benediction over you. Lord, we honor you. We lift you up right here, right now. And Lord, we embrace your message. We decide to, we choose you, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray that not only will we choose you in our minds, but in our hearts, and that it will sink in and it will make a difference. And God, perhaps more than any other time in our lives, let the Christmas message ring true. A Savior has been born this day. Lord, help us to keep you first. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we go, I pray that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. Keep us safe and help us to come back next week to celebrate once again for your goodness and for your graciousness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. Thank you for being here. Go in the grace of God. Have a wonderful Christmas with your families. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, the altars are open and we're available for the next few moments.